Today we're in a um, series of, of sermons called Jesus Rules, and we're going to talk about serving. Jesus was a servant. We're in the book of Mark in chapter 9. <clears throat> we'll see where Jesus has a discussion with a few of his closest followers. We live in a world that is a me-first world. We've been taught that. Take care of number one. Take care of, that's, that's American. That's Western. And um, it's very much a toddler mentality, really. Uh, I'm first. And you know, you, you, you're just not born a servant. You can see it when you get two toddlers together, right? L- let, me, uh, let me just kind of share a toddler mentality when it comes to property. It's kind of like this. A toddler would say, if I like it, it's mine. Toddler would say, if I can take it away from you, it's mine. That mentality would also say, if I had it a while ago, it's mine. Toddler says, if I say it's mine, it's mine. If it looks like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're having fun with it, it's mine. If you lay it down, it's definitely mine. If it's broken, it's yours. <laughs> and, if, and if we're not careful, that's the way we will live life. Um, but when Jesus comes into our heart, he transforms us. He shows us, you know, this book is all about Jesus, right? <clears throat> From the Old Testament all the way through the New. The Old Covenant is all about the Messiah coming. The New Covenant, covenant is about him arriving and then showing us how to live. And when he comes into our hearts, he starts to transform us and he takes us away from our selfish thoughts and we become just like him. We put our thoughts on others. 1 Corinthians 10, 24 says, nobody should seek his own good, but the good of others. I want to say a word of prayer before I continue on here. Oh, Father, help us. Uh, We are so grateful, God, that you gave your son. Jesus, we're so grateful that you came to serve us to serve mankind. We're so grateful that you gave your life. And so we open up your word and we look at um, your truth today and, and we ask you, Lord, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'd help us to be transformed and to become more like you. Show up and be real to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Mark 9, we're gonna be going through 30, verse 33 through 37. And here's a thought I see in there. Whoever wants to be first must take last place. In our sports culture, that doesn't work, right? Um, But it's really talking about giving ourselves up for others. So here's the setting. The disciples are evidently not not, uh, long had it been since they were walking on the road and arguing about who was going to be the greatest. And Jesus must have been a little bit ahead of them and heard them talking about it. He probably knew what they were talking about. And in the passage, just before what we're reading today, Jesus says, so uh, fellas, what were you talking about on the road? And uh, they remembered what they were talking about. It's which one of them would be the greatest in the kingdom. And uh, they were embarrassed and they, they wouldn't even say. I imagine they might have hung their heads a little bit. And uh, deep down when they were having that conversation and and. I I don't want us to look at them as bad because they are us. We are them. We're wired to get on top, to be out front, to make it, to show people. And they were into 
This is part of it, being seen. You know, these things can even happen in ministry, right? Why, why do we do what we do? Do we, have to, do we have to be seen? Do we have to get recognition? Do we, or, or is it really for the purpose of just serving God and others and eternal results? But these guys evidently wanted to be seen and recognized and appreciated. You know, that doesn't seem like a bad thing, right? But I remember Earl Book, one of my mentors who's passed away, told me years ago, be careful when you come to a place in your life where you say, no one appreciates me because that's the enemy's turf right there. You're really vulnerable to the enemy when you start saying those words, no one appreciates me. And these guys wanted to be elevated. They wanted to have more prominence. And basically, they wanted all people to see their worth and that they were good. And that's why they were having this discussion about, well, who's the greatest among us? And we're kind of that way sometimes too. I think we have to battle that if we're honest all through our lives. What is my motivation for serving? Is it to be seen? I remember being at Rotary and every now and then they'd have a cause where, where I would feel like, you know, the church can give to this. And I would give and they'd always want to uh, give whoever gave the most uh, some sort of prize. And I remember giving them something saying, you know, really, why don't you give it to the second person or whatever if this is, you, you know, we need it. But they wouldn't do it. Every time they give you an award for you, you gave the most. And, you know, I, I kind of want to stand up and go, yeah, it was the church. And, uh, but, but everybody thinks that, you know, if you give, you should be celebrated. And not necessarily so, as we see here. But we have this tendency to be selfish and want to be seen. You might be selfish if, came across this this week, you have a genuinely difficult time letting someone else have the remote control. You might be selfish if that's you. That, that one was, that got me right there. It's a, you know all the words to the song, I did it my way. You might be selfish if that's you. You might be selfish if you have a lifetime subscription to Self Magazine. Or your favorite picture at home is the mirror. I like this one. You might be selfish if you're on a date and say, enough talk about me. Let's talk about what you think of me. <laughs> you might be selfish if you're a baby, a toddler, a pre-adolescent teenager, or an adult male or female. You might be selfish. We need the Lord to help us, to transform us, we need a spirit to touch us because the truth is we have it upside down. We think that the real key to fulfillment is people recognizing we're somebody and it's not. You can reach all your goals and have somebody point at you and say, you're great, you're famous, you're popular, you have skills. Tell me, do the people in Hollywood look happy? I mean, I guess they do in their pictures, but if you read what's going on in their lives, they're just miserable, but they have all the recognition in the world for their talent. The Father's way, the way of God is different. And here, verse 35, let's read Mark 9, 35. He sat down. This is after this discussion. He called the 12 disciples over to him and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place. In the world that we live in, first is first. In God's kingdom, last servant of all is the one that is honored and first in the Father's eyes. Jesus is saying the ticket to prominence in my kingdom, in, in the kingdom of God, is to put others ahead of yourself. 
And Jesus was our example. He didn't just talk about it. He came to live with us. And listen to what it says in Philippians 2. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had, Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. I mean, if anybody could say, I'm too big for that, I don't really want to stoop to serve, it should have been the the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But look what he did. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names. You know, I know it's a mentality in the world that people don't want to serve. They don't want to be seen as the servant. Although I think it's quite attractive when real power reaches to serve. When a president, when a dad, when a boss serves, something powerful happens in people's hearts and minds. But there's not just a lack of servanthood in the world. I, I, you know, I, sometimes I want to make it softer, but I, I'm, I'm just not good at making it soft. So you're just going to have to take Pastor Stan as he is, I guess. But, but we have, and I'm not just talking about this church, the church universal. We have a lack of servanthood in the church as well. Because we're affected by the mentality that the world's permeated us with. I came across this. I thought it was interesting. It was an epitaph that said, we're all saddened to, to learn this week of the death of one of the church's most valuable members, someone else. Is that member? Someone's passing created a vacancy that will be difficult to fill. Else has been with us for many years. And for every one of those years, someone did far more than a normal person's share of the work. Whenever leadership was mentioned, this wonderful person was looked to for inspiration as well as results. Someone else can work with that group. Whenever there was a job to do, a class to teach, or a meeting to attend, one name was on everyone's list, and that name was someone else. Let someone else do it was a common refrain heard throughout the church. It was common knowledge that someone else was among the largest givers in the church. Whenever there was a financial need, everyone just assumed someone else would step up and make the difference. Someone else was a wonderful person, sometimes appearing superhuman. But a person can only do so much. Truth be known, everybody expected too much of someone else. Now someone else is gone. We wonder what we're going to do. Someone else left a wonderful example to follow, but who is going to follow it? Who's going to do the things someone else did? Remember, we can't depend on someone else anymore. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you to be brave with me and, and real for a moment. Uh, if, if you're a worker here and you serve in capacity where you wish that there was more help so you didn't have to do so much, do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not going to have, have you uh, raise your hand if you're serving. And I, I think a manageable chunk, chunk of time within your gifting is the way you should serve. We never want to get people overcommitted and serving in this church. 
Uh, but that's not usually the problem. There's a few people we have to, we, we have to literally say you need to step back because we, we, you know, we don't want to ask you to do too much. And it, if it hurts your family or it, it hurts the balance of life as a believer, then, then we don't want to do that. But, but if you sometimes serve, whether it's the nursery or um, usher, greeter, wherever it may be in the church, uh, the ministries around the church, if you wish there were other people to come along and help you because sometimes you've been really tired or, or you get tired. Let's see how this works. I've never done this before. It might be the first and the last time this is ever done in a church for good reason. But if, you, but if you're a worker who's working hard and you're a little bit tired sometimes and you wish you had help, would you just slip your hand up right now? Would you do that? Just be honest. I mean, you're not bragging. You're not, you, you know, you're not, okay, there's, there's, these, these are key people in ministries that I'm seeing uh, have their hands go up. And I, I, I don't want to make it embarrassing or, or awkward. Uh, but I want you to know that, that there's an impact not only on the ministries, but on the servants of the Lord when other servants rely on someone else. Someone else might have died under the weight. And um, honestly, people don't know this, but if you're a pastor, you, you get this. Some people have to work so hard and the church takes care of them where they're serving and they're the only ones. You know the 20-80 rule, right? 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 80% of the people don't do any. And um, sometimes the only way for the servants of the Lord to get out from under the heaviness that the church has put on them is to what? It's to leave. They might even be leaving a place they love sometimes because they don't have any help. And, um, and then when they leave, there's kind of a sense of discouragement that can move throughout that whole ministry. And uh, the truth is, we need you. I don't know of a church, there's probably a few, because some people are really good at just helping people get this. And maybe it's a major emphasis with them. But most churches are underserved. They're underserved when they want to reach to the poor in their community. Oh, they have programs, but they, there's not very many people involved. Well, next point. Be the servant of everyone else. Mark 9.35. Comes right, come right, comes right out of the Bible. Both these points are just exact wording. Jesus said, and be the servant of everyone else. I read the first part of that verse for the first point. Now the second part of the verse. And Jesus is our example. Here again, Mark 10, 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. The truth is real fulfillment. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you get that sense of fulfillment in life? It comes from following God's plan for your life and serving others. I don't know exactly what the specifics are for your life. I know he has specifics for you. If you seek him, he'll help you find them. But I know when you, when you step into his plan, it always has to do with something of serving others and blessing others and building his kingdom. It says that he came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. He's our example. John 13, 14. This is the place where he washed the disciples' feet. I mean, think of it. In those days, you wore sandals and your feet are dirty. And uh, You know, I, 
honestly, I don't want anybody touching my feet. And, and it's, it's for your own benefit. It's, it's not that they stink, but I've got, one of the, I've got one of the ugliest toenails you've ever seen in your life on my big toe on my left foot. My brother opened the door once in our bedroom and, it, and that, that toenail stood up like the hood on a car. And it's never, it's never been the same since. My feet are hairy. And they, my wife, you think she's nice, but she calls me hobbit foot. She's done that before. She's not as nice as you think. And I get it when... When Jesus comes to Peter and says, and Peter says, uh-uh, not me. No, no. He's not, he's not being cocky. He knows who's about to stoop. And he thinks that greatness should never stoop. And Jesus is showing him, you've got it backwards. Greatness stoops to serve. John 13, 14. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. Now, I've seen foot washing services, I've been involved in them, and they can be meaningful. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about serving one another. And Jesus said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I want you to pull the insert out in your bulletin. As a matter of fact, can someone hand me one of those? Um, and I, and I, I'm just going to show you where we need help here. Hey, we're on a mission together, right? We're not just coming here to, um, to, to let the Lord pour into us. That's part of it. But, but we're coming here to join together as a team, as a family, to do the work of the kingdom of God and, and, to, and to serve. And you can see, look at, look at this insert that says, uh, one side of it says Easter weekend. And what I want you to know is we need help. We're doing four services. And sometimes this is cool because people travel and they can't, they can't uh, do something on a regular basis, so a one-time thing uh, is something that works for you. That'd be great if this works, but we're doing four services on Saturday and Sunday. We're going to have a table where we're giving gifts away to our visitors, a gift away, and we're doing some things like we've never done before. We're going at it hard, and we're trying to follow it up in a way that will uh, turn those people who make a decision into true disciples, and we need your help. So if you can help us as... Um, you know, an usher, a greeter, you see the boxes down there, um, the Hebrews team to, to make coffee. If you can help us just on that day, would you check, would you fill this out and check one of those boxes and we're gonna have an offering at the end of the service and you can put this in uh, the offering as it, as it goes by. But now turn it over and look on the other side, first response team. I told you we're trying to follow up in a better way. Um, we are really gonna go hard at this in... in um, and try to bless people, try to be givers to people, and try to follow up with the guests and the new converts. And so the first response team is a group of volunteers who meet every Monday after afternoon, which is after the Sunday services, to follow up on those who filled out a card. We're going to get better. As a matter of fact, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask as we go forward, we're changing the format of our service to something that looks a little more like today, where the offering's at the end. Part of it is we want to do better with the cards to get visitors and guests to put those cards in the offering. So I'm going to ask you to work with the card like never before in our services coming down the road so people around you that are new can feel comfortable filling out the card. 
And I'll give you a little bit more on that later. But uh, I'm very excited about this. That team will meet on Mondays and send out letters and a gift as well to our visitors. And we'll have a three-step process where they get three communications from us as we move down the road. Now, we need volunteers. Uh, We have people that are overworked already. And if you can come in Monday afternoon, some of you, it may be that we could do a different thing on, on Thursday if Monday doesn't work for you or another day of the week is a better way to say it. But that is a very real and tangible thing. And then, as you can see on the touch card where it says, is there an app for that? That's about family, the series. What we're going to do is move into that series. We're going to see that lives are changed. We're going to get cards on the converts. And then we're going to do follow-up to touch and bless their lives beyond what we've ever done. So let's partner together. I'm saying today, we really, truly need you. And we're hopeful you'll serve in some capacity that way as a volunteer. So let me... um, Karen, my lovely assistant, is going to uh, hand me my styrofoam cups. Thank, thank you, Karen. It's my wife. That's why I can say, if you didn't know that, lovely assistant. But uh, let's say these cups are servants, okay? And, and let's say this is what we have now. We have some children's workers and some music people. That was really cool seeing the talk about serving today. Our drummer was on his knees. Thank you, Dan, for uh, serving us in that capacity. That gets harder and harder for me. I'm on my knees now, I guess. But here... Here's our servants. You know, we kind of got them everywhere. We got a few ushers and greeters. We're happy for what we have. They're really awesome. And, um, you know, they're, they're all around the church, but there's not as many as we would, as we would like to have. Let's see. So, so we got them there. And then we have the weight of the ministry. Um, and, and so we've got all these guys serving, and, you know, we're really grateful for them. But then the Lord sends converts and people come and the children's ministry starts getting filled up. And the weight of the ministry is what God wants to do is pretty great. And when finally what the Lord really wants to do comes, it just collapses. Because we're not really set up to serve a great number of people the way the Lord wants us to. The women's ministry has a few, but not, but not enough to do everything that they would like to do. And so... You know, these poor servants, they get swept right out the door and um, say, I have to go to be okay, and I, I, I don't want to mistreat or, or do that to them. But if we get what we really need, i got to go fast here. I'm like, seeing those cup stacking things? I'm not one of those people, evidently. <laughs> Karen's one of those people. So, you know, here we, man, we're just lining them up. I'm trying to count, Karen. She's trying to help me with this today. Get me all set up. You got too many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two together. That was twins right there. They, they serve in the... Fun. We have twins here too. So, um, okay. And so here they come and, oh, this guy went to a Seahawks game. He didn't come that day. <clears throat> okay, and this... This, this one slept in. This is too, too, too much. She's had a tough night. But, you know, we're, and we're, we're, now we're getting some servants. Look at this. And, and they're, the Lord's going to send people, and they're standing side by side, and we're, we're working together, and I'm really slow, but I'm trying. Hey, don't laugh at that. Who was that? It was a little voice laughing at that. We have enough cups here. I think we can do it. I got another twin there. We do have two sets of twins, as far as I know. From here, it looks different. I can't see that. 
See, I'm way better at preaching than the whole cup thing. But uh, so now, now look at that. Now we, we, got, we got some workers, and here comes, it's Easter. I have twins. More? Where? Oh, there's another twin. Oh! See, and if you don't do it right, the workers get blown away. And you, you just have to keep doing things right. And where were you when I needed you, Karen? You didn't want to do this to start with. Okay. Now, is there another twin? Holy cow! Let me... <laughs> oh, my... We need a new cup person in our church. And it's not me. Okay, here, here. Now, let's see if this supports... Okay, now everybody's there. Look at that. Huh? This is why I don't do many of these things right here. This is, I'm not really that great, but look, if, let's just leave that there as an illustration this morning of what happens. Look, look, I'm just telling you, there's a consequence for you not serving and it affects other people. We can't take the load of what the Lord wants to do, but we're crushing people at the same time. And so when someone comes up to you and says, would you pray if we consider, why don't you ask the Lord? Now, it's, it is my conviction that people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, meaning this, you're gifted. Ephesians 2.10, God has made us what we are. In Christ Jesus, God made us to do good works. So you are made to do good works, which God planned in advance for us in our lives which God plans in advance for us to live our lives doing, rather. So God has planned something for you to do. Here's, here's my conviction. If you're not doing what he's planned for you to do, you're not happy. You'll become critical and a complainer. And you'll step back and look, and you always feel like people aren't serving you well enough. I'm just telling you from experience through the years, if you have a teaching gift and you're not teaching, it's, it just doesn't go as well as it should. If God calls you to children's ministry and, and, and you're not serving, then you're just not going to be as happy as you would be. A manageable chunk of time within your gifting. We can't be as effective as possible without you. We'll collapse under the weight or do less so we don't collapse. I'm just saying we need you. Third thought here, be willing to serve even those who you think can never help you. See, because, right, we, we tend to get involved with the you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours philosophy. But Jesus is saying, I just want you to scratch some backs. I just want you to Serve people when you get nothing in return. As a matter of fact, it's best if you get nothing in return because then your treasure goes to heaven. It's not here on earth. Mark 9, 36, the same context now of this story where he's talking about servanthood. He put a little child among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. And anyone who welcomes me, welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. So what's he mean here? Why did he pull a child in as an object lesson? I think he used a child because a child can't really do anything for me or you. Right? 
How do they help your status in life? Child. They can't enhance your position in society. They can't add to your success for your business. I mean, on the contrary, a child demands things, right? Every mom and dad knows that once you have children, the sacrificing and the serving begins. I'm just afraid to tell the person with their first newborn child to get ready not to sleep. I'll just let them discover it on their own, right? But children are needy. They don't do anything for you. You do for them. And I think that's why Jesus brought that child before them to say, when you welcome a little one like this in my behalf, then the Father and I are really happy and pleased with you. When you're giving to someone who can't give back to you, my dad really likes that. Father God, Abba, Abba Father really likes that. <clears throat> if you want to get ahead in the world's eyes, you don't take time to hang out with children because you're busy with your goals and aspirations. And hanging out with your, with your own children isn't the same as what he's talking about here, right? Because, I mean, in one place Jesus says, well, who doesn't love their family and the people who loves them, right? I mean, even the worst of sinners loves their family and the people that like them they like back. But he says, I want you to love people who don't even know you, who can't help you. Because when you do such, you're showing who I am. Here's the point. I believe it refers to, when he says child here, anyone who's little or less, less chronologically, that's age, economically, socially, mentally, anyone who's less, anyone who can't help themselves, anyone you reach out to to bless, He says, you're really showing who I am then. The truly great person embraces everyone in the name of Jesus and embraces the call that God gives them to serve as a representative of Jesus. The point Jesus is making here is even those seen as the most insignificant person are to be treated with the greatest of respect and to be served. When I was... um, about seven years old. Um, Some of you have heard me tell this, but I want to tell it in a little different way today. Um, My parents were backslidden believers, prodigals away from God. I'd been raised in a home where my parents knew the Lord before I was born, but not up until that time. They just hadn't lived for God. And um, I remember a neighbor kid asking me if I wanted to go to church, and I didn't know church. I mean, I was seven, eight years old, but I did not know a thing about church, except that my grandma made me go with her every now and then, and I didn't like it, because I sat with her and had to be quiet the whole time in the service. I didn't understand what they were saying. It didn't connect with me in that service. But a neighbor kid said to me, same kid, uh, a different week, hey, do you want to go play softball at church? And I go, well, what do you mean? Well, you know, we have, we're going to play softball, and it's a church, and I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do that. So I go to church, and we get out on the softball field, and there's one guy out there with about 15 young men. I didn't know it, but I just walked into a Royal Ranger program in Aptos, California. And 
I was really confused because even then, you know, athletics was, that, that's one of the things that came easy to me when I was young is running fast and coordination. And so uh, I didn't understand why you might do something if you weren't good at it. And this old fella, he struck out like three times playing softball. And I say old, it doesn't seem as old to me now, but he, he's close to 60, but he was old enough where when he ran, and I'm, I'm beginning to see this happening with me, he, he run funny, your legs go higher, you know? So you kind of, I don't know why, you just think I, I have to make sure my feet get off the ground. Maybe that's, so you overcompensate. But he, you, you know, he, he walked once and then he got on base and someone got a hit and, and then he started high-stepping. And I remember thinking, this guy is terrible. What is he doing? Good grief. Somebody needs to tell him to just sit down and watch. You know, he's embarrassing himself. I felt for him. And, um, but I noticed he was super nice. And he was really uh, kind. And, um, and he paid attention to each boy and he knew their names. And he, as a matter of fact, he knew my name and called it several times that night. And my brother was with me. Lauren, raise your hand. Lauren's here this morning. Just raise your hand. My brother was with me. It's that night, they took us into a room after softball, and he taught us two scriptures, Romans 12.1, Matthew 5.16, and we learned to quote them. I can still quote them today because of that. And he told us about Jesus after softball. And uh, it just seemed so real. I mean, you know, a child gets it right away, right? no. Nothing obstructed in life has hit them. And so we accepted Jesus and walked into a home and told our parents that night who were prodigals, we came to Jesus tonight. Having no idea the conviction that was brought into the house. Now here's, here's I mean, that's a cool story, but here's, here's the part I want to emphasize today. That old fella came by every week for months to pick us up for Sunday morning church and we walked into Aptos Assembly of God with Pastor McGee and we saw people who loved Jesus and our lives were changed every week he came with his old pickup on Sundays and Wednesdays and picked us up for months I can't remember his name I remember the pastor I can't remember his name but I'm going to tell you something I'm going to look him up when I get to heaven. And uh, it might seem insignificant to others when we help someone who's just a child. What can a child do for us? Well, not much. Not really anything. You might, they might make you smile and enjoy the moment. But people grow up God transforms lives and when people step up to what the Lord's called them to do, then more and more who need Jesus can come. I was telling that story to my son and he, uh, this was months ago, he he mentioned, he said, and, and he got tears in his eyes and he says, that old guy, He never knew or never got to see what God did with your life. Well, look, I'm, there's a lot more God wants to do and, and that I'm called to do in my life. But when we touch someone with the love of Jesus, 
something happens. I walked back into that church just two years ago on vacation. A new pastor, a new location, couldn't find it. The old location was turned down, torn down. And I walked into a, an office and said, is this this church because the name had changed? And they said, yeah. And I said, let me tell you a story. I just wanted to come by and look. I said, when I was a little guy, I said, now I'm pastoring a church and um, man, the Lord really touched my life and I just wanted to thank this church. And she said, do you mind, do you mind telling that story another time? I said, no. And so the receptionist takes me into their staff meeting. They're having a staff meeting. There's a young pastor sitting there with three or four um, women around the table, all volunteers. And I told them the story and they teared up. And I said, thanks. And the pastor followed me out and said, hey, I just want you to know, we're going right now, the church is not, we're just having a tough time. And we're feeling like we, we're not doing much. That our impact isn't as great as we'd like. And said, thanks for taking the time and stopping today because we need to realize that even one. I think it's significant that Jesus didn't bring all the children to sit at his feet. It was one. It was one that he was saying, if you'll reach, even when nobody else knows or cares, I'll do amazing things and it'll be treasure for you in heaven. I, um, I like what Bill Heibel said. He said, I would never want to reach out someday with a soft, uncalloused hand, a hand never dirtied by serving and shake the nail-pierced hand of Jesus. Jesus.